Hi, thanks for checking out this message from our River Valley Church family here in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages and inspires you. For more messages, be sure to check out our other podcasts. For more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. Good morning, church. Come on, what an awesome day to be together. And, and I don't know about you, I, it's been a little bit weird around my house. I'm, I'm just going to tell you the last 24 hours. For those of you that don't know, I have six teenagers and young adults that live in my home. Um, and yes, they all belong to us. Um, and my wife, you know, normally around our house, it's just noisy and there's stuff going on. And if any of you know Nation and Carter, they're singing all of the time, like all the time, shower, bathroom, getting this, doesn't matter. They're always making noise. And yesterday morning, my wife went up to McCall with, with the, the lead team to go up and get everything set up and prepped with Nation. And, and so I had all the, the younger kiddos yes, or Friday. Um, and then Saturday morning, we got them all up, brought them here, got them ready to, to ship out to go up to McCall. And I went home, and it was the eeriest, weirdest feeling ever. I literally felt like I was walking into somebody else's house. Because it's just never quiet in our home, like never quiet. Even when I'm the only one there, there's always something going on and around. Like it's just always noise. And I just sat there yesterday and I'm like, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. And uh, it was such a cool moment though, because what it drew me to was the moments of prayer for my family, for your kids, your grandkids, whoever you know that's up there. was just like, God, I want them to meet you in such a beautiful way. And I'm so grateful that we have a church community that is all about seeing the next generation connect with God. And we have a bunch of folks up in McCall. We packed out a bus and a bunch of other vehicles, and they all headed up there yesterday, and it was wild and crazy. I'm glad it's snowing today because they didn't have to deal with that driving up yesterday. But I'm just so excited to hear the testimony of what, they're, what God's producing in their lives. And I know a lot of us, many of you have probably been around camp experiences in your life and been around the, the kind of mountaintop experiences, and they get a bum rap a lot of times because we go to those experiences, we experience God in a powerful, dynamic way, and then we have to come back home. And Can I just tell you, that is not at all how it is. And the reason I say that is because God is the same God there as He is here. He's the same God at camp. He's the same God at a, at a conference. He's the same God at whatever spiritual highs you get in your life as the God that meets you on Monday morning when you get out of bed. Nothing's changed about Him. The only thing that changes is us, people. And so what I want to invite you to do is just pray the blessing of God over our students as they encounter Him. And for you, as you interact with them when they come back, some of you, they're going to come back to your houses. Good luck, parents. Um, others of you, you're really glad they're not coming back to your house. But can I just encourage you? I mean, we want to see God do something extraordinary in this next generation. And the only way that that happens is when there's people that break the way through prayer and through exactly what we're doing this morning. I so love just getting to look out and just watch these groups just interceding and praying over students. And I know a lot of times we think, you know, what, is, what do my prayers really do? Here's, here's what the Bible says. Your prayers are powerful and effective. Tim, what does that mean? That means your prayers are powerful and effective. They're doing something when we pray. And so I just want to encourage you to, to, whether you see it or not, whether you understand the tangibleness of not, uh, or not, God's Word is truth, and I want to proclaim that over you and over our students, that all the prayer and fasting and preparation that has gone into that time is creating a space for students to be able to meet with God and will change their lives forever. Most of you don't know this, but over half the students that went up were invited by their friends, and many of them 
were students who have never experienced Jesus in their life ever. And now they're going to a camp where they're going to meet him face to face. Amen? And that's just such a cool part. Many of you have given and sown into um, just the opportunity for students to be able to do that financially. I guarantee you that is the best investment you've ever made in your life. Um, You're going to see God just do extraordinary things in them. And so I'm excited to be with you this morning, but I'm going to be really honest. I'm pretty excited to get out of here as well. Um, Right after service, I'm going to boogie up and go see them and give my wife a hug and hear from my kiddos what God's doing in their life and just get to be a part of what God is doing in McCall. And so this is going to be a a speed message here. We're going to go as fast. It's going to be like, how many of you guys have ever seen Hammy? Have you guys ever seen Hammy on Over the Hedge? Nobody knows who Hammy is? Come on. Okay, good. Hammy on Over the Hedge, um, he's this little squirrel, and he is literally a squirrel, like just crazy as all get out. And he finds a soda and drinks it in the show, and he goes at light, light speed. It's actually an energy drink, and everything else around him is standing still, and he's like, just going all over the place. I'm going to be hammy for you this morning. I'm just telling you that right now. We're going to move through this one, but I'm actually super excited about what God's been speaking to us through His Word. You know, sometimes, this is one thing I've discovered in, you know, being a part of church since I was a little, little guy, is that oftentimes we plow right through Scripture, and we plow right through the, 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 the Word of God, and we don't ever time, take time to slow down and to actually meditate on it. We don't take time to go, oh, I've heard this 23rd Psalm a thousand times in my life and go, but do I actually believe the 23rd Psalm? Do I actually believe what the Bible tells me about who God is? Do I actually live that out with my life? I just want you to know this morning, that's not a, a con- condemning word over any of us. It's a reality check word. It's the, it's the word where the Bible tells us that the word of God is to be like a mirror that we look in and go, oh, man, I need to brush my hair this morning, right? The word of God is to be a mirror that we go to and it, re- it reflects what is actually being built and made in our life. And I just want to help each one of you know that what's actually happening in your life is you're being made to look more like Jesus every day of your life. And so as we explore the Word of God together, and as we've had the privilege of being in the 23rd Psalm and really processing this book, Life Without Lack, with Dallas Willard, it's an exploration in depth of the 23rd Psalm, and it's an exploration that causes our hearts to say, God, help me to see beyond just the surface level of what I thought that I knew about you. Take me into some deeper depths of experiencing you. God, help me not to recite the 23rd Psalm because I learned it in Sunday school, but Lord, help it to be a part of the very fabric of who I am in every space of my life, everywhere I get to go, everything I get to do. God, may you be my shepherd that is leading me. And Lord, may I be aware fully of the fact that I lack nothing in any moment of my life because you're my God. If we can get that in our spirit and heart, can I just tell you, it will change the way that we live our lives. It will change the way that we approach our jobs. It will change the way that you look at your bank account. It will change the way that you look at your relationships and friendships. Why? Because all of those spaces lack nothing. Some of you are like, I like my bank account to lack nothing. Come on now. Can I tell you? You have a God that provides everything. Everything you have is His and He's provided for you. He will bless and multiply it when we acknowledge Him 
as the giver of it. Amen? So I want to jump in today. We've been kicking off every week processing through the 23rd Psalm. We're going to read it again together today. And I'm going to ask you to do this verbally. Again, I, I did this with us last week. I want you to just pray this as a kind of a, an anthem from your heart. We're joining together and we're asking the Holy Spirit to come and transform us as we look at the 23rd Psalm. It's going to be up on the screen here and I'm going, to, I'm going to kind of read it with us. And I just want us all just with one voice to just kind of read through this together. And we're going to set the atmosphere for the Lord to teach us and equip us through His word today. You guys ready? Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, we just say today, let it be so in us, God. Lord, as we explore the wonder of your word, God, would you teach us, Lord, about all the facets of who you are, God. Lord, we're here. We want to learn of you. Lead us today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're on chapter 4, and we've been processing through a chapter a week together, and, and I'm, I'm not naive enough to like, step into this and be like, oh yeah, everybody read chapter 4 this week. No, I could put you on the spot this morning, and we could do a little peer, peer pressure around each other, but I'm, I'm not going to do that. Um, but what I, I do want to invite you into, did you know that the growth of your spiritual walk is not dependent upon the teaching of this church? Ooh. Did you know that the growth of you in your spiritual development and how you mature and grow is not, is not solely dependent on, on what kind of, of teaching that you get on Sunday mornings when you come here? Now, it needs to be biblically based. I'm with you. But can I tell you, your spiritual growth and the, the, the development of your relationship with God comes out of how you apply yourself into what the Scripture says, pursuing Him. The Lord says, if you will seek me with your whole heart, what happens? Find Him. You find Him, right? And so I just want to invite you in these moments to join in with this fellowship, this body of believers, this, this, this people that God has brought you to be a part of community with, and join us as we are on the journey of discovering the greatness of our God and how He works in our lives. I want to encourage you, if you haven't got the book, it's not too late. There's plenty of chapters in this book. We've got plenty of weeks left. They're out in the lobby. Grab one. Um, I'd love for you to process this with us. And then take some time during your week to read just a little bit. Do we not have any? Oh, never mind. April just said we're out. Hey, good job, you guys. You bought all the books. Um, you can get them online. What did you say, online? There you go. You can get it online. I don't want to promote Amazon, but you can get them off Amazon. There's other spaces as well. But I just want to encourage you to be processing this with us. These chapters are not light reading. 
These chapters are, and the, and the words that are in this book will cause your heart to come up higher in your relationship with God. It'll challenge you in some of the ways that you think. And this week, this chapter might be the kingpin of that. Because this week we're talking about this reality of why such lack and evil in the world. I don't know about you, but that question right there is a question that is asked of me all the time. You can hear it in the media. You can hear it in almost every conversation that people have as we look around the world and everything that's going on. And there's always this question, if God is so good, why is there so much bad in the world? Well, I'm going to answer that question for you this morning. We're going to dig into some truth that will help us be able to extinguish that lie of the enemy in their life, that there's something wrong with God because there's something wrong in the world. Today, I want us to, to unpack this tension that we feel around us when we talk about the goodness of God, but we step out into our world and we see all the brokenness around us, right? All the lack that we see. You see, we live in a world where we're surrounded by lack at every turn. Just pause for a second and just think about all the spaces of life. Think about hunger around the world, water. Think about shelter for people. Think about all, all the, the spaces of lack that we see in our world. There's a lack of kindness. There's a lack of justice or fairness, compassion. There's no lack of broken relationships, I can tell you that. Come on. Broken promises. We see it all around the world that we live in, and I just want to be real with us this morning. It's not pretense that we need about this. In other words, I don't want you to put on rose-colored glasses and be like, oh, the world's a great place. Like, no problems. But, I, but I, pretense is not what we need. But what we really need is to understand as where the source of lack comes from. I'm going to say that again. Today, what we need to understand is what the source of lack is. Most assign blame to God because He's an easy one to target. However, that would be a massive mistake in light of his character. And so this morning, I want, us to, I want you to be able to leave this morning with an answer in your heart to why is there so much lack and evil in the world that we live in today. I know it's not a simple question, but can I tell you, there might be a more direct answer than most of us have thought through. So here's what we're going to do. We do this every week. We're going to take just a moment here. I want you to connect with the person next to you or somebody around you. And I want you to answer the question, why do you think there's such lack in the world today? So you got 90 seconds to do. Some of you are looking at me like, oh, he's making us do this again. Yes, I am. There's wonderful people around you. Take 90 seconds and answer this question just together in relationship with each other. Why do you think there is lack? Now, hey, pause for a moment. This is not a spiritual answer. I just want you to just genuinely from your heart say, I think there's a bunch of lack and evil in the world because of X, Y, and Z. You guys ready? 90 seconds, go. Hey, for those of you that are joining us online, I want you to take a moment too and process this, this, this question in your head and heart to maybe go before God or maybe even text somebody and just say, hey, why do you think there's so much lack in the world? We'll be back with an answer here in just a moment. All right, start wrapping up your conversations if you would. Some of you are continuing, which is wonderful, and some of you are looking at me like, why didn't we do that 30 seconds earlier? Don't worry, I'm going to give you another chance to get a go at it this morning. In order to answer this question, we've, we've, we've got to find the source. We've got to find the source of lack that we experience in the world. I, I, I liken it to this. 
You know, when there's a toxic waste spill, and there's been a bunch of them as you drive between here and McCall, I get to do that here in just a little bit. There's been a bunch of of times where fuel trucks or chemical trucks are, are, are traveling Highway 55, they spill, they tip over and spill, and it starts going into the river. And, and as response teams come to those, those moments, they, they're dealing with the downstream effects of it, right? Because we know that it's, it's, it's moving downstream. But the reality of it is if you don't stop the source, it really doesn't matter what you're doing downstream, right? You'll be spending so much time and energy trying to clean up the effects of it that you're not actually dealing with the source of it. And I want us to understand this morning when we talk about lack and evil and brokenness in our world, many times the conversations are oriented around the effects, not the source. Many times people are more concerned about seeing the effects that are happening in people's lives as opposed to understanding the, the, the source of where that is coming from. And so I just, I'm going to put it out there right from the beginning, and then we're going to unpack a little bit of the reality of this. The Scripture teaches us that in short, lack and evil are in our world because of Satan. No, I'm not giving you the permission to just say, I knew it, everything in my life, every bad decision, all of that is the devil's fault, right? How many of you would like that scapegoat? That, that's an easy answer, right? Most of us are like, sign me up, right? There is a reality to the impact of Satan in our lives and the decisions we make. But what I, what I want us to understand is that for thousands of years, Satan has been sowing seeds of lack, of evil, of sin into humanity. And we're going to unpack that here this morning. And it has created a, the very atmosphere of lack and evil in the world that we live in today you got to be able to understand the devil and the enemy that is the enemy of your soul. we got to be able to look at that from a clear standpoint so that our, our hearts and minds cannot assign blame into the wrong spaces. So I want to read this this morning. It's coming directly out of the book, page 69. Any of you got your book with you? But I just want to read this and, and give you a picture a little bit about our enemy and about the source of this lack and evil that we see in our world. Page 69, middle of the page, says, Satan is described to us in Scripture as a special angel who at one time oversaw what we now call earth and possibly the entire solar system. This is what Paul was referring to when he called Satan the prince of the power of the air in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. And you can, I want to encourage you, go study some of these places out. It's a good, good journey of kind of understanding the nation. Very rarely do we spend time giving any air time to Satan. But today, we need to, to understand the origin of our topic today so that we can put all of our attention on the answer to that topic. You guys with me? goes on to say, at first, this rule would have been a benevolent one. In other words, Satan's function and role in his original created design was to oversee the earth and the solar system, and it was a benevolent one. In other words, he was there to bring good and to steward and to take care of, right? Overseeing part of God's good and perfect creation. At some point, however, he desired, listen to these words, he desired to be like God and fell away from God. We see a description of this in the 14th chapter of Isaiah. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 14. And we're going to see a prophetic utterance or a, a, a sign given 
to help us to understand some of the, the warfare stuff. And if you've read the Bible uh, very many times in your life, specifically through the Old Testament, Isaiah, uh, Ezekiel, a few of those spaces, we see some descriptions given of Satan. And here's, here's one of them. I want to help us to, to see this this morning. Verse 12 says, How you are fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, listen to these words, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of God far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the Most High. This is what began to happen in the character of Satan. And it goes on in, in, um, on page 71 And it says, in rebellion against God, Satan fell from his exalted position and became the tempter of human beings. Listen to this this next phrase. I underlined this, I highlighted it, and I went back and read it probably 30 times this week. The only way the devil can hurt God is through humans. And so he focuses upon us. His strategy is to try to frustrate God's purpose for humanity beginning at the beginning in the Garden of Eden. I want you to think about this. Many people think that there is a war between God and Satan. That at some point in time in this game, Satan could win. I need you to understand that is a fallacy and a lie from the pit of hell. There is no way the uncreated God is going to be defeated by a created being. Can't happen. Never has even been part of the game plan. Never in the world could that be. An uncreated God being defeated by a created being. Can't happen. So what we've got to understand is that Satan's desire, the selfishness of his heart, push him into a place of wanting to exalt himself. And the only way that he knows how to bring hurt and pain to God is through what he does in your life and in my wife because we are the created in the image of God. And so when we understand that, it helps to kind of open our eyes up to a little bit of the character and nature of Satan. goes on to say here on page 71, but you must understand this, Satan can do nothing about God's unshakable kingdom directly. Come on now, there should be some faith building. Satan can do nothing about God's unshakable kingdom directly, but only indirectly through human infirmity and rebellion. His way of doing that is to persuade and to tempt and to deceive humanity. I just want you to pause for a moment and think about how all this began in the Garden of Eden. He persuaded, he convinced Eve that God was holding out on her and they literally had everything that you could imagine. God gave them free access to all kinds of wonder and instructed them to stay away from one tree in the garden. And it wasn't because that tree in and of itself was the problem. It was was because what would be produced out of that moment would be exactly what was going on in the heart of Satan. And that was humanity's heart would draw into this place of buying into a lie, and then that leads us into the place of sin in our life. It leads us into the place of making God out to be someone He is not. 
And so when we think about that, we think about the, the character of sin. We think about what was transpiring in this moment. It's so important for us to understand that what we're feeling and sensing and experiencing the world today, the hurt, the pain, all of that has been orchestrated through humanity, right, to bring pain and hurt to God because of Satan's rebellion towards him. When you think about that, all of a sudden it brings a whole lot of clarity to what we experience and what people are experiencing in this world today. I want to just build a foundation of a little bit of Scripture here that will help you go, oh, that totally makes sense. 1 John 3.8 says this, But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. We're building a foundation around the character of Satan here, right? From the beginning, he has been sinning. From the beginning of time, in his heart, he wanted to be God. He wanted to take that role. He wanted that position. We heard the declaration of it. And from that point, he has been sinning against God. What does it mean to sin against God? It just simply means to rebel against God's right way. That's what sin is. When you and I go, ah, I don't want to be nice to them. I want to hurt them. That's the sin. When we tell a lie to manipulate a situation, the only thing that's taking place in that moment is God has spoken to us and, and taught us, hey, be truthful, right? Live out of the place of truth, even if it's going to cost you a little bit of something in, in relation. And our brilliant human minds go, no, I can get out of this. If I lie, I can skirt the pain and the hurt of this. Can I just tell you that's a lie from the enemy that he has tempted or deceived or persuaded us to believe that actually brings more harm to our relationships than it brings good. And this has been the whole plan of the enemy all the way along. John 8, 44 says it like this. For you, this is Jesus speaking. I just want to remind us here. For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it's consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. I just want to remind you that Jesus was talking to religious people the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the religious folks of his time, and he was speaking to what was going on in their hearts. He was speaking to, to the deception that they had got it all figured out. They knew God. They knew exactly how to approach Him, and everybody else was the problem. Sounds an awful lot like what was sown into the heart of Satan and Adam and Eve from the beginning. See, none of this has changed over the history of time. Some of the terminology might have changed. Some of the enemy's approaches in our life has changed, but can I be honest with you? Very little has changed in this space of evil and sin and brokenness in our world, and the source of it has come from the heart of Satan who wanted to be God. And so he's brought hurt and pain to this world. So let's answer this question again. Why so much lack? Because the devil has been tempting, persuading, and deceiving people and humanity into participation in his sin. And every one of us has been a participant. This is where the rubber meets the road for us, right? Every one of us 
has bought into a lie. Every one of us has been persuaded to participate in the sin of this world. Every one of us has had these moments. This is why we all need Jesus. Can I tell you, this is why we can sit here this morning in, in, in community and relationship together because I'm reminded, right, that Armin needs Jesus just as much as I need Jesus, just as much as Justin, just as much as Sam. Right? Every one of us have participated in this space that the enemy has invited us into. And God sent a wonderful, wonderful gift to us to help us navigate through that. So before we finish, we're, we're going to get close to finishing up here. I told you I was going to be fast this morning. Some of you guys are like, yeah, he's lying. I want you to take 90 seconds and this, this, right, it's going to get real, real in here this morning. You guys ready? No. Kelly's like, I'm out. Okay. The rest of you, we're going to get real, real this morning. Okay. I want you to take 90 seconds and I want you to talk about how you, you have contributed to being tempted, persuaded, or deceived in some way in your life. Come on now, we're going to get real this morning, and, and, and I'm going to go first. I'm going to break the ice for you so that we can all process this. Just so you know, I, I've lied, I've stolen, cheated, spoken badly about other people, doubted God, and even worshipped other idols in my life. I have participated and bought into the temptation or the lie of the enemy in my life, and that's why I need Jesus. Because I've bought into the same things that Satan has tempted probably you with and humanity for thousands of years. So, let's have a little transparent moment this morning and let's just talk with each other about some of the ways that we have contributed to this space. You guys ready? You got 90 seconds. 90 seconds feels like an eternity on this one, huh? 90 seconds on my word. All right, 90 seconds. Take a few moments, be with each other. Process how you have contributed. All right, let me wrangle you back in. Man, you guys like talking about your sin. Check you out. Come on, I, here's what I think. Here's what I think. I just think we need to have more times like this to just say, you know what? I've been broken in my life. I've made some bad decisions in my life, right? But you know what the cool thing about God is? He just doesn't leave you in the place of going, oh, you're lame. He doesn't just leave you in the place, right, Jace, of just, sucking. Not that Jay sucks. He's awesome. He just doesn't leave you in the place of, oh, I'm a liar. No, let me help you with changing some verbiage. You have lied. You're not a liar. Come on. You have been deceived in your life. We all have. That's part of this journey, right? But that's not our identity. See, our identity comes from somewhere else. Thank God. Our identity, what, what, so what do we do with all this lack? What do we do with this understanding of, oh my word, the devil has been at this for a long time and darn it, I've been contributing to it. Why do we have so much lack in our world? Why do we have so much pain around? What, because people have been doing a lot of dumb things because they've bought in or been persuaded by the devil to engage in those spaces to hurt the heart of God. Why, why has this been taking place? Because the devil is a dirtbag. I just want to put it out there. Come on now. And so we've got to understand that. We've got to have our minds wrapped around this. It's not just because you're a messed up person. It's because the devil has been trying to mess you up for a really long time and he's really good at it. 
But thank God that we have a God who created us with intentionality in His heart and His mind. Right? We read in John just a few minutes ago about the nature of the devil. We, we read about well, I'm going to read it again, and I intentionally left a part of that Scripture out because it's actually the antidote or the answer to what we're facing in the world around us. Here it is, back 1 John 3, 8. But when people keep on sinning, and I just want to remind us, that's all of us. We keep on sinning. And so there's part of us that fall into this space. So ease your heart into this moment right here. It shows that they belong to the devil. Okay, I want to remind, the sin nature part of us has not been redeemed by God yet. Right? We're working, we're working through that. It goes on to say, who has been sinning since the beginning? So we've defined the devil. We've defined the pain and brokenness that's going on in our life. But listen to this. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Why did Jesus, come on now. Why did Jesus come? Not so that you could go to heaven and play a harp. Come on now. Jesus didn't come even so that you could enjoy the wonder of all of God's splendor and majesty. Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil that has tried to put a separation between you and God. God so desired relationship with you and I and so desired relationship with humanity and there was the gap there because of the sin of Satan's heart that was poured out on humanity where he's deceived and tempted and we've seen horrible Horrible things done by humanity to each other for thousands of years. And Jesus came and broke right into the middle of that to destroy the works of the devil. Here's some good news for you. Is that Jesus broke the power of that and has given us, all who are willing to come and be followers of Him, the trusted opportunity to walk in the same place under the same anointing to break the power of the enemy in the culture that we live in today. To literally partner with Jesus in destroying the works of the devil right here and now. I wish that I had the time, but if I was able to unpack for you all the good that the church, the body of Christ has done, all throughout the history of mankind, it would blow your mind. If you took the goodness of God that He's poured out through His people out of history, this world would be a wretched mess. And it's got some messed up stuff going on in it right now. But can you imagine if you pulled the good out of that? Think about it. The church has been the leading force when it comes to medicine and health in people's lives for literally ever. More churches or more hospitals have been established worldwide just in our generation and in our day, day and age by the church, the body of Christ, to go help people physically in their need than any other organization. Think about it. The church has fed more people. The church has housed more people. Why? Because we have learned how to live out of the goodness of God that He's poured into our lives to bring good into the world that we're in. That is destroying the work of the devil. It is helping people come out of impoverished situations, out of addictions, out of all of those spaces of their lives and their, seeing, and their lives being redeemed by the goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus gained the ultimate victory over the devil through the cross and His resurrection. That purchased for all of humanity the opportunity, I want to drop this in here, the opportunity to receive the work of Jesus as payment for our sin. The opportunity. That's a done deal. 
Jesus already did that. He's not going back to the cross and he's not raising from the dead again. It's over and done. The victory has been purchased. Now we get to live in the commission of Jesus. And I want to read it over us this morning as we kind of close our time around this thought of what do we do now? Why so much lack in the world? I think it's pretty clear we've got a devil who hates us, who is angry at God, and has sown that anger into the earth today to get humanity to mess each other up. And we have done a wonderful job of that. But God sent Jesus to bring redemption and restoration to that space. And that's what we are living in right now. A broken world that is being redeemed back to God through the blood of Jesus Christ and His church on the earth today. Think about that. And you are a part of something extraordinary. I want to read out the Matthew chapter 28. I want you to see the picture of what we were invited to with Jesus in destroying the works of the devil. Here it is. Jesus came and told His disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. I want to just pause there for a moment. Satan does not have all authority in heaven and earth. Your God does. It is not happy enough in here right now. When you see lack in the world, when you see brokenness in the world, that is not the devil winning. Come on, you need to understand this in your heart this morning. The devil's not winning in that space. That is just simply spaces that we're looking at that have a lack of the goodness of God, the kingdom of God being brought into those spaces and moments. And Jesus said, listen, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Why can he say that? Because he went to the cross and out of the grave. Nobody else did that. Nobody else did that. I don't care what religion you are, are impressed by. No other space do we see that throughout the history of humanity where someone went to the cross to die for our sin and came out the grave on the other side, alive and well. No other space, no other religion. And if you're wondering, did that really happen? History tells us it happened. Not just the Bible. History tells us that happened. So if that's the foundation and Jesus is walking in authority, listen to what He says. Therefore... Had a wise Bible teacher once tell me, anytime you see the word therefore in Scripture, what do you have to do? What's it there for? You have to ask yourself the question, what is it there for? Rod would have told us that. Rod's taught this a thousand times to people, right? Come on now. When you see the word therefore in Scripture, I'm, I'm helping you, you need to ask, what's it there for? Here it goes. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them, or teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I love this. And be sure of this. After all this teaching, equipping, preparing, going, like going just so you know is not to another country. Going is wherever you're going today. Wherever your feet are taking you right now, that's where you're going. In every moment, in every space of life, I don't care if it's walking over here to say hey to Alan. I don't care if it's you going home and hanging out in your house with your family. I don't care if it's tomorrow morning, you're getting up and go to work. Well, most of us don't go to work tomorrow morning. There you go. You got a day off. Wherever you're traveling, wherever your feet are taking you, Jesus is saying, be in that place and make disciples. And at the end of it, he says this, be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. 
So let me help you understand what we were talking about last week and how it plays into this week. Last week, we talked about the good that God is wanting to bring through your life. The good that God is wanting to bring through your life is destroying the work of the devil, which he is at constant work trying to bring into the world hurt and pain and heartache to the people that are around us. Why? Because then people will turn their backs on God. The church, the body of Christ, you and I are in the world today to point people to the goodness of God. For them to look at your life and to look at my life and go, I need what they have. The work that Jesus did through the cross was not just done at the cross and out of the grave. It was passed on to you and I to go and make disciples and to point people to the person of Jesus Christ. Why? Because He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only one. He's the only one. And here's the challenge that we face a lot of times in our journeys together. We get caught up in the pain and the struggle of the world that's around us, and we forget the work that God is doing in us in those moments. The good work that God, the good mission that God has put you on in your workspace, in your family, whatever sporting event that you're at, whatever errands you're running, whatever parent-child conference you're sitting at, we do a few of those, right? Whatever space you find yourself in, God has you there to bring good into those moments. The goodness of God into those moments. Oftentimes, the work of God in us, and here's where the rubber meets the road for us today, and in the world around us to defeat the enemy is handled, listen, little by little. God gave us a picture of this with the children of Israel as they were entering into the promised land. They weren't ready to possess all that God had promised to them quite yet. And can I just help you this morning? Neither are you. Neither are you. You're probably living in or holding on to some of the promises of God in your life. And I just want you to know this morning, God knows when you're actually ready to walk in the fullness of those promises. The children of Israel weren't ready yet. And they spent 40 years in the wilderness trying to get ready. I'm not saying you've got to go hang out in the wilderness for 40 years, but I'm just saying how many ever years you've been processing through what you're processing through, can I just tell you little by little God's at work in it? Proof of this. Go with me to Exodus chapter 23, last space of Scripture. Exodus 23, verse 30, and here's what it says. God speaking to the children of Israel as they were getting ready to go into the promised land. Now, reminder, He already promised Abraham this a long time before this. Like this was a promise that the children of Israel were living in for over 400 years in captivity in Egypt. This is actually what got them out of bed every morning and got them out doing whatever they were doing, even in their captivity and slavery, was the fact that God, Yahweh, had spoken and said, I have a land for you. It is yours. Nothing can take it away from you. Can you imagine being there for 400 years going, hey, uh, how about that promise? Egypt is great and all, but you told us this. Any of you ever wrestled with God in that way? God, you've said this thing about my life. You said this about our family. Lord, you said this thing about our church. You said it about our community. But God, come on, it's taken forever. And Exodus 23 says this, God speaking, I will drive them out a little at a time until your population has increased enough to take possession of the land. I'm going to give you a tidbit this morning that's going to help you in your journey of life. 
Sometimes we are contending for the promise of God. We're wanting it. We need it. We even see it out in front of us, but we have yet to be living in it and laying hold of that. And little by little, God is growing you. He's increasing you. He's expanding you so that you can actually live in the promise that he's brought to your life. And oftentimes we get mad at God. God, why are you taking so long? Why is this healing in my body not happening right now? God, I know what your word says. God, why is this relationship thing dragging out for years and years? And God just whispers into your heart, little by little, moment by moment, I'm growing you. I'm increasing your capacity. I'm teaching you how to pray and seek my face. I'm teaching you how to humble yourself. I'm teaching you how to go to my word and find it as your substance. I'm growing you little by little. And we're like, God, I don't like the little by little. Can we just do the big by big? Can we just be be done with this? And God's just saying, I know what's best for you. He knew what was best for the children of Israel. They took over each of those little cities and towns. One at a time as God grow and expanded their hearts in this. Here's the other thing. A little keeper for you this morning. If you don't do what God has instructed you to, exactly the way that He instructed you to do it, then you're going to keep some of those ites in your life. And they're going to be a nagging pain to you forever and ever. Think of the children of Israel. God gave them some very specific instructions on how to deal with some of the struggles of their life, and they thought that they had a better way of doing it. And what happened? To this day, today, Israel is still dealing with the ramifications of disobedience to God. Can I just help you? Your life and my life are no different. When God gives us instruction on how to get rid of some of the things that are trying to hold some ground in our life, when He gives you instructions on that, our choice to obey Him will determine whether we live in freedom and in the promises of God or whether those little things just sit there and keep nagging at us over time. I know that's frustrating, but that's the reality of walking with God. He invites us into a place of obedience. Your character and your capacity are being grown in the little by little. The struggles that we process through on a daily basis are building us up to prepare us to be able to take the promised land that God has put in front of us. So let's finish with this this morning. We started out with a question. Why so much lack? And I just want to repeat this over you. Because the devil has been tempting, persuading, and deceiving people, and humanity has been participating with him in that journey for a lot of years. So we should not be surprised at the extent of evil that we see in our world today should not be surprised at it at all. And I just want to remind us, because we have all contributed to the brokenness that's around us in our world, right? But God, God has made a way through His Son Jesus for us to participate with Him in the mission of destroying the works of the devil in the world that we're in. So everything that you get to do every day, as you're walking with people, as you're processing with your kiddos, as you're processing the challenges that we're faced with in life is an opportunity for us to bring the kingdom of heaven into those moments to destroy the work of the enemy and to bring life and hope and goodness into this world that we're in today. 
I hope that changes your perspective a little bit about getting upset with God about the messed up stuff that's going on in our world. God gave us the answer to fix that. Jesus defeated the devil. He has overcome sin. And he has endowed you and I because of his sacrifice with the incredible privilege of partnering with him in bringing good into the world that we're in today. Why is there evil in the world? Because there's a very real devil. Why are you and I here? To destroy the works of the devil in partnership with Jesus as we see the kingdom of God established in our homes, our communities, our schools, our grandkids, the people that are sitting next to you right now. And remember, it's little by little. It's not all one just poof, fail swoop moment, right? Why? Because God's growing you and I. He's preparing us to take the promised land that he has for us. Amen? Amen. Let me pray over you this morning. God, what an awesome picture you have given us in your word to understand, Lord, a really challenging question in our world today. God, I am so grateful, Lord, that your word teaches us in Psalms 23, Lord, that we lack nothing in you. And Lord, today as we see the lack in our world, God, we thank you that you are more than sufficient in every way. And so, Lord, I pray over us this morning that any wrong concepts that we've had about evil, brokenness in our world, anything, Lord, that maybe we've even attributed to you, God, would you forgive us for having a wrong mindset, for buying into a persuasion or temptation from the enemy to accuse you, God. And Lord, this morning, we just acknowledge, Lord, that you are the giver of life. Jesus, you said you came to bring life and that more abundantly to us. The devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. And so, Lord, as we've exposed the kingdom of darkness, Lord, today we pray that your light would flood through us. And, Lord, that in every space of life, God, Lord, that we would bring your goodness and your kingdom, God, through our lives. Lord, we love you. Lord, I'm so grateful, Lord, that you put these words, Lord, Lord, into Dallas Willard's heart, God, and pack the Psalms, Lord, so that we could enjoy these moments together here and learning more about you. God, would you continue to teach us and lead us as we follow after you, Jesus. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from River Valley Church. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by it? Make sure to share it with them this week. Again, for more content from us, please check out our website at rivervalleyboise.com.